you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2, in verse 1. If you do not have a Bible, it will be on the screen for you. Acts chapter 2. In verse 1, the Bible says that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And now the word dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native tongue? Parthenians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belong to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongue, listen to this, here's what they were saying, the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they were filled with new wine. You may be seated. Well again, today is Pentecost Sunday. The, the day in which we celebrate the beginning of the church age and the promised baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, it's interesting that, that growing up in church that I, I really never heard anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't ever remember being taught uh, Acts chapter 2 or any of the uh, passages that deal with the uh, filling of the Holy Spirit or the clothing with power. When, when, when the, the church that I grew up in was a great church, but, but the, the ministry did not believe, and many Christians do not believe today, that the power of God and, and the gifts of the Spirit are for today. And, the, and their argument is, well, those things died out with the apostles. Well, my understanding of the Scripture is that that is not the case. There's no good argument in Scripture to say that the gifts have died out. I would submit to you that we still need the power of God. Yeah. If the apostles needed the power of God, if the early church needed the power and the presence of God, how much more today do we need His power? That the reason that we're not making a dent in the city uh, with the heroin problem, I sat in the forum a couple weeks ago with leaders from the city who, who said that we need this program and this program and this program to take care of the drug problem. But I submit to you that, that, that without the power and presence of God, we won't touch it. Because we're not just dealing with drugs, we're coming against forces of darkness. We're coming against the enemy and himself. 
And, and, and it's greater that it's he that's in us than he that's in the world. See, if I'm depending on my own strength, I'm not going to make it. I'm not, I, I'm not going to be able to make a dent in the problem that's plaguing the city and surrounding counties. The darkness that's prevailing. But if somebody would just get full of the Holy Ghost again and then go out in the power of God, in the boldness to witness and to make a difference. Friends, the apostles turned the early world upside down, the ancient world upside down, and we can turn Richmond upside down with the power and presence of God. So some of you hear the word Pentecost. And it, it might make you tense up a little bit. I asked this morning at the halfway house, we did an open discussion, and I said, what do you think of when you hear Pentecost? And one gentleman in the front row said, row said snakes. <laughs> but I assure you, Pentecost has nothing to do with snakes. You bring the snake up in here, I'll be the first one out the door. I promise you that. Another, another gentleman said, crazy. But I want, to, I want to suggest to you that, 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 that yes, it was out of the ordinary, but not crazy in the sense of messed up. Uh, Pentecost is a God thing. The power of God is a good thing. So my aim today is to give you a brief overview of what Pentecost really is and to explain the experience and the result of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I want to argue why I still believe that this is still for today and that it is greatly needed. So let's begin. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, let me start with the second part of this verse. You, you know, it's, it's interesting that, that, the, uh, that, that the, the disciples and then 120 people gathered together in the upper room. Seeking the Lord. And the Bible says that they were together in one accord. And this was not a Honda, alright? This is, in one accord means they were together of one heart and in one mind. And last week, I, I preached on unity and I preached against prejudice. And see, that, that had to uh, precede the move of God. Because if we're divided, if we think we're better one, than, you know, than, than each other, if we're divided generationally, racially, denominationally, the presence of God doesn't move in that type of an atmosphere. But you let some unity take place and watch what happens. People say, well, I don't have anything in common with those people. I said, you're both Christians, aren't you? Yeah. Well, that's kind of my life. Jesus is the thing that we share in common across generations, across denominations. And we need to come together and be about one purpose. Not just my church, not just my people, but it's us. And it's a, ultimately it's about Him. And if we would take our eyes off ourselves and put our eyes on the Lord, I'm telling you, He will move in our midst. So I, I, I want to tell you that if we're going to experience a, a move of the Holy Spirit, we've got to be together. We've got to be together. That's why the devil loves division in church. He loves it. That's why he tries to get you upset at somebody every time you walk in the door. But you've got to, you've got to mature spiritually above that and say, devil, you're not having your way today. You've got to handle conflict in the right way. You can't sweep it under the rug. Deal with it so that you can walk in unity with your brothers and sisters. Or you'll be drier than a bone. You will be so, so, so incredibly dry spiritually. You'll wonder why is everybody else experiencing the presence of God 
But I feel dry and desolate. You need to get your heart right and, and be in unity with your Christian brothers and sisters. So what then is Pentecost? When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were together in one place. Now, in Scripture, I'm going to give you a little bit of history here, and then I'm going to preach, all right? In Scripture, there are seven Jewish feasts mentioned. And of these seven feasts, there are three what we call pilgrimage festivals in which all Jewish males were required to attend in Jerusalem to observe these feasts together. Right, so, so for three of these feasts, the, all the males who were scattered abroad, they were dispersed uh, 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 all over uh, that, that um, ancient world, the Mediterranean. They would come back to Jerusalem and they would meet together and celebrate together. The first one of these feasts you're, you're probably familiar with, and that is Passover. Passover. It, it's the first of these main festivals, and, and it commemorates the freeing of the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. Now in case you're new to Christianity. In the Old Testament. God's people. The children of Israel. Went to Egypt because of a famine. And as they grew. And they, they multiplied. Pharaoh felt threatened by them. And thus put them into slavery. And they became a mega church. Alright. And, and, and Pharaoh got, got, he, he got a little worried. And so he uh, put them into slavery. And so God sent Moses to bring them out of Egypt and into their own land. And the night of the first Passover, while in Egypt, God told the Israelites to sacrifice the spotless lamb and to mark the sides and the tops of their doorposts with his blood. And when the Lord passed through the nation... This was one of the plagues that the, the, the firstborn of each household would, 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 would die. But when the Lord passed through the nation, he would pass over those households that shows the blood. Thus saving the firstborn children of Israel. Now 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are in leaven. Now watch what he says. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So Passover is fulfilled in Jesus' death as He is the true and the spotless Lamb. He, his blood was slain, or He was slain, His blood was shed for our sin. And by spiritually applying His blood to our lives through faith, we are saved from death. The wages of sin is death, but, but, but God passes over us in that sense. We are saved from death. Spiritual death, eternal death, because of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what we celebrated through communion today. Passover represents salvation. The second of these three festivals is Pentecost. And let me encourage you, Pentecost is nothing to fear. Alright? Pentecost was a one-day festival that took place 50 days exactly after the Feast of First Fruits. Which is another one of the Jewish feasts. And by the way, that, that fulfillment came in Christ's resurrection. You can go to 1 Corinthians 15, 20. Isn't it cool how everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus in the New? It was a setup. I mean, everything is a foreshadowing of Christ to come. So the word Pentecost, are you ready for this? It does not mean snakes. It does not even mean crazy. Come on, somebody. You ready for this? It means 50th. So that, that's all Pentecost means. So this was a Jewish festival. 
feast. It was also called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. Now, I want you to mark that in your mind, the Feast of Harvest. Because that was a foreshadowing of something. And I, I'm going to bring that out in just a moment. But this was a celebration. This Pentecost was a celebration of the harvest that God had provided. And the fulfillment of Pentecost is in the formation of the church on the day of Pentecost. At which time the Spirit was poured out. And then there's a third feast. And I, I don't have time to, to, to spend on this. But it's the, 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 the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's the third pilgrimage festival that the Jews would attend in Jerusalem. And it, ha- it would happen in the fall, and it commemorates God's protection and provision for His people during their 40 years in the wilderness. Now, I-, I don't have time to go deep in this, but it will find its fulfillment in Christ's second coming. But remember that the Israelites were wandering in the desert for 40 years until they were taken home. Well, how many know that we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth to save our And we're wandering around, but one day He's coming back and He's going to take us into our promised land. Amen? Amen. That's coming. That fulfillment is coming. So Pentecost is simply the day that commemorates the beginning of the church age as we know it. And now something very significant happened on the day of of Pentecost. Namely, the, the 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit. This was the promise that Jesus spoke about. This was the promise that the prophet Joel spoke about. And, and so let's look at this promise. If you go to your, your Bibles and you turn to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. Remember John the Baptist was going around and he was, he was baptizing people with water. He was preaching a message of repentance and preparing the way for the Lord. And he said in Matthew 3.11, he said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus then, speaking to his disciples after his resurrection, said this, Luke 24 and 49. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city. Now, he's talking about the promise. Watch what he says. Until you are clothed with power from on high. And remember, in the upper room, it didn't just happen to the twelve, but the whole 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were clothed with power. So, this is what happened at Pentecost. And now to be baptized is to be immersed. That's what the word baptized means. There's really no argument. Sprinkling, baptizing, or, or immersing in water. The, 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 the word baptized literally means to dunk. If, if you take a donut and you put it in your coffee this morning, friends, you baptize your Dunkin' Donut. And that sounds real nice right about now, doesn't it? You baptize your donut. You didn't didn't sprinkle coffee on it. You dunked it. You immersed it. That's what it means to be baptized. And so when when John is baptizing people in water, and he says Jesus will baptize you with Holy Spirit, what does that mean? It's not just the sprinkling. You are dripping with power. You are clothed with power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that was the promise. The power that Jesus promises in Luke 24 and then he again by the way in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 
I believe, listen to me, is something different than what happens by the Holy Spirit that's experienced at the new birth. This is not the same as regeneration. This is not the same as salvation. Alright? And you can clearly see this in Scripture, I believe. This baptism of the Spirit, or, or to be clothed with power, I believe, is subsequent to our salvation. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Alright? The Holy Spirit is the deposit, Ephesians says, of our salvation. Are you with me? Every real follower of Jesus is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 9, just to prove this to you in one place, it's other places in the Bible. Paul writes, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Watch what he says. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, who is the Holy Spirit, does not belong to Him. I believe, furthermore, that the Bible teaches that the disciples were already born again before Pentecost. And those who were gathered in the upper room. And they already received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit before Pentecost, according to John 20, 22. So I believe in, that Jesus in Acts 1, 8 is telling the believers who have already been saved that the Holy Spirit, when you're saved, does the baptizing. He brings you into the body of Christ in which all things are made new. But Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the power of the Holy Spirit. There are two different things. And so I believe that, that Jesus in, in, in Acts 1.8 is telling believers who have already been indwelled by the Holy Spirit to, hey, wait before you go so that you can be clothed with power. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit coming upon the believers at Pentecost is simply and wonderfully being clothed with extraordinary power. Alright? So that begs the question, what in the world is the purpose? And this is where we miss it. What's the purpose of this power? Is it so we can have church? I, I love having church, alright? I, I love a good church service where the move of God is happening. But that's not the ultimate purpose of the Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Spirit. Is it so we can just have fun? Is it for our entertainment? No. Let's just look at Jesus and what he said. I think that's the best thing to do. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, but you will receive what? Power. power. Say it again. You will receive power. power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you, this is connected. This is one sentence. And you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The power of the Holy Spirit is not for our entertainment, but for our evangelism. Yes. It is to get the word of God out. And so I want to say a really strong say, statement that, that may offend you, but, but I, I feel led to say it. If you don't have a heart to win lost people, don't even bother praying for this. I was telling the, the, the gentleman this morning, I said, you, you think of, you, you know, it's not that God has not provided enough food on the world. People say, well, why are people dying of hunger if God is so good? He's given us enough food. We just have the majority of it in Kentucky. Come on. Right? 
And, and so it, it, it's, it's, it's not dispersed like it's meant to be dispersed. Well, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, oh, it, it, it does something to you. It's wonderful. But it's not ultimately for you. It's, to, it, it's like conduit. It's to move through you. You're the overflow. The reason you're immersed is so that you're dripping with power and that you can boldly proclaim the word of God to yes. friends and family and neighbors and co-workers and wherever you go. That's what it's for. And this is seen throughout the scripture. One of my favorite passages in, in, in the Pentecostal church, we skip this one often because it doesn't say anything about tongues. But this is one of the, I think the best defenses to say believers can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Believers who already have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit can be baptized in that power of the Holy Spirit. So this is Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Here, here's what's happening. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John come upon this man who is lame from birth. Okay, he's, he's, he, he can't walk. And he, he's a beggar. He's, he's laying there and he's begging for money. And Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that was a good thing. This man was healed. He got up. And people were amazed. But it wasn't, that miracle didn't happen just so that that man could feel better. Though the Lord is compassionate. That wasn't the ultimate purpose. When you walk in this kind of power, you will grab, draw a crowd. You'll draw a crowd. And so all of a sudden, a, a crowd begins to gather in the temple there. And, 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 and Peter uh, is, begins to preach a dynamite sermon. And, and more people are saved this day. It's incredible. What happens? The religious people don't like it. They don't like it. Religious folks will, I mean, miracles will happen in your church and they'll be mad at you. Because that's not the way. We've learned it. You know, if somebody's healed before your eyes, oh, I don't know about all that. What are you talking about? That makes sense. And, and they make it all worked up. And so the Sanhedrin. Come in, and they, they, they arrest Peter and John. They, they're, they're taken before this they, they, these men, and, and, and they are warned. They want the, the, these men wanted to, to take care of them right there, but they said, all these people are so happy about what just happened, let's just warn them. And so they said to these men, Peter and John, they said, don't you ever, don't you ever speak or teach in the name of Jesus. That's what's coming in this country. They're already trying to shut us up. But I love it because Peter and John didn't run away with the tails tucked between their legs. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 that they left that place and they met their friends. These are other believers. And these are people, by the way, who have already been baptized in the Holy Spirit, many of them. But watch what happens in Acts 4.31. They pray. And they didn't even pray for the falling of the Holy Ghost. They just said, Lord, give us the power to do what? To witness. To proclaim. That's what the power's for. And here's what he says in verse 31. And when they had prayed. You see the connection between praying and being filled with the Holy Spirit. The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all, there it is again, every one of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That's the goal. That's the aim with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's that we might proclaim in the face of people who want to shut our mouth. That we might proclaim the goodness of God. Throw me in prison. I'll preach to the prisoners like Paul. 
I am proud to be what we call Pentecostal. I'm proud of it. I'm not ashamed of that. We, we are a Pentecostal church. But as a pastor, here's my heart. I want God to move in the way that God wants to move in the way that He's prescribed for us in His Word. In, in the things I've said before, the things I've said before, I was thinking about this weekend. I feel like I've been unclear in some things. You might fall on the floor when God comes upon you like that. And that's alright. In as much as that's not what you're trying to do. I, I, I've said it before. I don't have any, I don't have any problem with somebody falling out in, in the spirit. I, it's happened to me. But if that really happens, we don't need catches. When we have catches, we're trying to make it. Because if, if God will push you down, I promise you, He'll catch you. He'll catch you. I don't have any issue with tongues. As a matter of fact, Corinthians says, don't forbid to speak in tongues. So if you go to church and forbid to speak in tongues, that's a direct violation of that. Amen. We just want to be, if, if, if you have a tongue, if you have a, a word, we want you to share it with the congregation. And I'm not saying that you can't. I mean, I've been here this morning worshiping in, in that way, just softly to myself. I don't, I don't need everybody in the room to hear me because it's not going to help you get closer to Jesus if you don't know what I'm saying. But if you have a word, we want you to have an interpretation with it. That's a word. And it's not weird. People are scared to death of tongues and interpretation. Guys, it's a foreign language. I went to Mexico, and I wasn't scared because they didn't speak English. It was fun trying to figure out what they were saying. But, uh, you know, you know I, I was like, uh, did, oh, did she say I preached really well? No, she said you're ugly. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with this. And if you, if you don't agree with me on this, that's okay. We, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So, so I want to hear my heart. And, and I, want to, I want to close with my, my, my personal testimony of this very quickly. Matter of fact, just to say, I'm going to ask our praise team if you just go ahead and come up. Um, but, but as they're walking up, pay attention to me for just one more second, okay? I grew up in a church that did not believe any of this. And it was a great church. Great church. I worked, uh, Bob Stamper, who's walking up here right now, I worked for Bob for about five years in his computer company. This goes back 15 years ago. And Bob went to a Pentecostal church, and I used to hear some stories that, of things that never happened in my church, and it just piqued my curiosity. And Bob, Bob seemed a lot happier than my church folks. Everybody in my church was saved and mad about it. Singing about the old rugged cross or power of the blood, they'd be singing like this. There is power, power. They look like they want to be shot. I'm like, Bob, look happy. You mean salvation is a good thing? And then I remember the story. I'll just tell you the quick version. Bob's got to tell you the full version someday because I'll mess it up. But this is what happened in my mind. So I, I'm, we're there. Bob and I worked late a lot of nights and. Uh, we were only the ones there who would talk about these things. It's amazing how God just sets up for you to be around the right people at the right time. And Bob was telling me about when he was in college. He was newly saved and uh, living here in Richmond, right? And uh, an apartment complex. And the people next to him were doing um, not good things. And uh, they were, they were, you know, I, I don't know what kind of drugs they were doing, but they were doing something. And guy got sick. He ended up swallowing the thermometer. Got, got lost in the throat. He was having trouble breathing. And for obvious reasons, they did not want to call the cops. Um, 
They didn't want to call Heather because they knew she'd turn them in. And, <laughs> and so, uh, so, so they, they just came frantically beating on Bob's door and they said, hey, we need help. Bob is not a doctor. I, I, I will not, if I need surgery, I'm not going to Bob, all right? He can sing by the bedside, all right? But he's not, he's not working on me. But you know what he had? He was clothed with power. He wasn't even a seasoned believer, right? You don't have to be a seasoned believer. You just get enough of God on you. Brothers and sisters, you can do some powerful things in His name. He prays for them. That thermometer, it was gone. He prayed for them. And He was able to share the gospel with them. That kind of stuff is never told in the church I grew up in. Because that was for yesterday. And we can't have any of that today. But what's interesting is, I was with one of my pastors one time, he said, Chris, this is from the church I grew up in. He said, our missionaries from our denomination in other countries who are dealing with witchcraft and all that kind of coming against that stuff, they depend on this power over there. So it's more widespread than you think. So I asked Bob, I said, Bob, I have some questions for you. I began asking questions about the Holy Spirit and this power and gifts and all that. And one night I, I was I was working in the church, but it wasn't a Pentecostal church. And uh, Sunday nights were, were open and free, and so uh, from many of them. So I just asked Bob one time. I said, Bob, can I go to church with you? And he said, Yeah, absolutely. He went to this Pentecostal church in, in Richmond here. And so I said, All right. So he and Christy picked me up, and it was just me. My wife didn't go with me because uh, she was still scared of snakes. And uh, and, and so, so I went with Bob and, and Christy to church. And Bob sat me down. First time being in a church like this. He sits me down on the front row because he's on the praise team. Yeah, that's what kind of friend he was. And I, I listened to the music. And I thought, you can sing. In my church, we had a piano and organ. That's it. There's nothing wrong with that. But I was, I was kind of a, I was a guitar player. And I thought, you can do this in church? This is awesome. And the people look happy when they're singing. This is so neat. Who knew this existed? Right? Now, before I went, I prayed. Here's what I prayed. Uh, this happened many years ago. This is the best of my recollection. I said, God, I want to learn about Scripture by Scripture because I'm a Bible guy. It's in the Bible. I believe it. If it's not, I don't. Take it somewhere else. So I said, I don't want to hear opinion. And I said, I, I, I don't want to be shot. I, I thought of Pentecostal preachers as spinning preachers and yelling preachers. And that's all I knew about them. They spit and they yell. I didn't want to be spit on or yelled at. So I just pray, Lord, I just want a scripture by scripture teaching of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. So we go and I'm shaking on the front row. Not because the Holy Spirit told me, just because I'm scared out of my mind. And I don't know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden the music quits. And Pastor Holman, he just stops. He's up here like this and he just stops. And I'm thinking, he's just waiting for the snakes. Here they come. But he never brought snakes out. And all of a sudden, he, had, he calls his elders. And he said, I want you to bring my, my pulpit to the floor. And here's what he said. We normally have a hooping and holler time on Sunday nights, which means they get wild, all right? They get wild. But he said, tonight, the Holy Spirit's instructed me to do a verse-by-verse teaching on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. By the end of that service, I, I was sitting right, somewhere right here. 
He was up there before he could even get the words out of his mouth to pray for people. I was right here. He's just looking at me like, and I'm like this. Why? And that night, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I spoke in a language I'd never learned. And I, you know, the presence of God was so strong on me that I welcomed him. And I got up. It wasn't weird. Nothing bad happened to me. I'm still alive to talk about it today. I just want, I want you to have this. I want you to have it. What's interesting is I, I don't see this. You know, we often say, let's pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, often what they're doing in Scripture is they're praying for God to move and give them the boldness to go out. And the result is, okay, I'll answer that with clothing you with power. Clothing you with power so you can be an effective witness. I went to, soon after that, I went to uh, Guadalajara, Mexico. And I'm so thankful. There was a language barrier. I'm thankful that I had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because I couldn't speak the language. But here's God's honest truth. Here's what happened. I preached somewhere. I had a translator, interpreter, whatever you call them. On Sunday morning. And I preached in this church. And uh, I found out my translator was only speaking English like for a year. So it's hard to tell him what he said. But the power of God was there. These people had nothing. The, the church we were at on, on Sunday night was a, the, the pews. You think you had it bad? The pews where it was burning up, no air conditioning. The, the door was a garage door that opened up into a big room like a warehouse. And the pews were two cinder blocks or three cinder blocks and then two by fours. Strung across it. That's where you sat. And people didn't complain when it was 12.01. And all of a sudden, on that Sunday morning service, the power of God fell and I began to pray for people. Didn't even, they, I couldn't understand what they were saying. And all of a sudden, just praying for them. God healed them. You can tell some were sick and, 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 and some need deliverance and all these things. That night, we did a, a v, or that afternoon, we did a VBS rally and people were inviting us into their homes. And I said, how do they know who we are? They said, oh, word travels quickly here. I said, what are they here? And they said, well, they heard about all the people who were healed this morning. And I said, what are you talking about? And they said, yeah, the, the women that you all, your team prayed for, one of them had a horrible knee. Her knee was immediately healed. One of them couldn't see. She was almost blind. Her eyes are completely healed. I want to tell you, it's for today. All right? I'm done. Stand to your feet as the praise team leads us. We're going to sing.